0: Beth, I'm I'm really sorry, but this episode might contain some spoilers.
1: Spoilers, spoilers. I'm gonna have to leave. Sorry. Yeah.
0: If you've not watched this episode, then uh, sorry, you're gonna get it spoiled.
1: Uh, 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 um. (coughs) I've got like a really throaty throat going on. Hello, welcome to the Who Watch podcast. (laughs) We're watching. No need to (laughs) shout.
0: The only thing that Atomic Kitten has given us is that.
1: We're watching every episode of Doctor Who from 1963 to present day.
0: She's Beth, I'm David two very big Doctor Who fans, and we're continuing our Who Watch journey this week with The Edge of Destruction, the third ever Doctor Who story.
1: Before we begin, please do remember to follow us on the socials. You can find us at whowatchpodcast, and you can email us with your thoughts at
0: thewhowatchpodcast the Who Podcast at gmail.com. And we've had some very lovely emails and reviews and messages, and oh my goodness, you guys are so nice.
1: Thank you for being so, so kind to us. We really appreciate it.
0: So, I'd like to read a small excerpt from an email from Henry. Hi, Henry, hi! Hi,
1: Henry, hi! Um, hi, Annalise! Sorry. <laughs> I just, I couldn't stop myself from going straight into it.
0: Oh, my gosh. Um... Henry, thank you for getting in touch. And Henry says, just finished listening to your second episode. I wanted to say how much I'm loving listening to you both. You're bringing a real sense of fun to looking back on these classic stories. And I have to say, I find myself sitting and nodding in agreement with so much of what we, what you say. That's what we like to hear. That is One track minds. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We're in an echo chamber and you all have to agree with us. <laughs> yeah, you
0: have to like us. So yeah, thank you very much for that, Henry.
1: Thank you, Henry. And I also, can I read a little review as you well? You absolutely may. Um, I don't actually know the person, but their at is, like, Jax underscore LJ.
0: Hi, Jax underscore Hi, LJ. Jax underscore LJ. We sound like Rebecca <clears throat> Moore.
1: We do. Uh, I'm going to read a little bit of this review because it's really lovely. I always get excited when a new Doctor Who podcast materialises, and I generally love them all, but the Who Watch has hit it out of the stratosphere with a triumphant first episode, expertly hosted with so many fun moments while also being insightful. It's a little bit longer than that, but I'm going to leave it there. Because well, that's just a really you. nice little bit of a review. Thank you, Jacks We really if, appreciate you.
0: If you want to leave us a review and a rating, please do. We'd very much appreciate it. It helps bump us up the charts and gets people engaged and lets people know that we're here. So, yeah, we very much appreciate that. And we can we will read out your messages if you send them to us.
1: Yes, please email us. We, we want more friends and more listeners to engage with us. And tell us all their favourite bits of Classic Who.
0: On that note, we'd also love to hear your thoughts on Edge of Destruction. Whether you've watched it before or if it's your first time, please do send those in as well.
1: In this two-part adventure, the Doctor, Susan, Ian and Barbara find themselves rendered unconscious after an explosion inside the TARDIS.
0: After coming round from the incident, the companions are suffering memory loss and confusion while the Doctor lies beside them injured.
1: The TARDIS doors begin to open and shut whenever Ian gets near them and Susan panics that there might be an alien on board meddling with the ship.
0: Susan faints upon touching the TARDIS controls and subsequently comes at Ian with a pair of scissors in a scene that feels like Doctor Who's answer to The Exorcist.
1: The TARDIS team sway back and forth between paranoia and theories about what might have happened while the TARDIS scanner flicks between some stunning celestial scenes.
0: The Doctor, on an absolute mad one, starts to accuse his friends suggesting they're at fault for the mind-boggling situation but Barbara is having absolutely none of it.
1: After giving his pals a cheeky nightcap, they all head off to try and chill the hell out until the cliffhanger reveals a pair of hands around the Doctor's neck belonging to Ian.
0: Choke me, Daddy. we was going to come out at some point. Um, this escalates the tension and the Doctor wants to throw Ian and Barbara out of the TARDIS until the fault locator goes mental and he realises he's wrong about them and that the TARDIS is about to self-destruct.
1: Never fear. Brilliant Barbara is here to sort shit out. She comes to the conclusion that the TARDIS is warning them that something is seriously wrong.
0: The Doctor listens and realises that they're heading back in time to the beginning of the solar system, which normally would be a very slow journey, but it's a bit dangerous.
1: Plot twist. The Doctor discovers that the fast return switch is broken and is stuck taking them back in time. In an attempt to get Ian and Babs back to Earth, they've just gone a tiny bit further back than 1963.
0: Very silly Doctor. He fixes the switch and apologises to Barbara for underestimating her More oh, character development.
1: And after a tumultuous day the four land on a snowy landscape and begin a snowball fight and we end on a giant footprint as our cliffhanger.
0: Ooh. Ooh. Can I say that foot wasn't that big? No. <laughs> I was
1: like, that's... that's Grandfather, like, it's that's, a giant
0: footprint. No, it's not. A,
1: a large, you know, fox at best. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to talk about how short this this story is.
0: Yeah, it was actually quite, I'm not going to lie, a, a relief for me in some ways. I like, you know, we touched on it last week. I like when Doctor Who has lore and Explorer stuff that is interesting, but there are points where I go, okay, that's enough. I understand that. I don't need the entire thing explaining to me. And what I liked about this in some ways was that it was very short and to the point, and this is what is happening.
1: The thing that I kept doing was, because it was only two parts, I kept putting off watching it the whole week, because I was like, oh, it's only two parts, okay, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I got to it, and I was like, oh, God, it's the day of the podcast. <laughs> um, but, no, it's really well-paced, and... It's one of those stories that I actually think is like classic. Who's answer to Midnight, which is a series yeah. for David Tennant episode, um, where it's all self-contained. They're all in one place. Um, you have a similar sort of paranoia and um, people not really <clears throat> sort of panicking about what's going on. And I think that that it being that short serves it really well. Yeah. Um, I think we also need to talk about how dramatic it is whenever they when it, when the explosion happens. Yeah. When they faint, every. There's a part where Ian like dramatically faints to the floor, but like almost in slow motion.
0: <laughs> He's like, whoa,
1: whoa. Yeah. It quite literally is so fun. It's very camp. Um, I think, and there are parts—the the part with Susan and the scissors—absolutely right. floored me. Can we me.
0: just talk about Caroline Ford in this episode? Yeah, she's who, insane. It's like she's taken several drugs combination. I don't know what combination of drugs <laughs> because I've never done them. <laughs> but it's like she's taking several combinations of drugs, and has like come out a completely different person. You know when people go and do like um, spiritual retreats in Sweden, they take mushrooms and then come back a completely new them. person. Yeah. Like very, like it's very that. Yeah, she's yeah. She's like, she's like you mentioned it. she's been
1: enlightened she's been enlightened
0: <laughs> it's like um, you mentioned the pilot version of this mm. not this uh, of an ep- unearthly child ep- I um, don't know if you can watch that either um, but in that you mentioned Susan is very like weird
1: yeah she gets to really sci-fi. really like delve into that in this story and like she, like I know we had this in the little bit at the beginning. We mentioned The Exorcist, but I watched that movie for the first time recently. And she is giving the like the little like the young teenage girl from The Exorcist in yeah. energy. Like that's exactly how she performs it. It's yeah, so. It out. It's.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> she is yeah. That's exactly the vibe she's giving with those scissors. It's um. I want to see Ruby Sunday go mental with a pair, with oh a knife goodness. in the TARDIS after that. So Susan goes like a little bit batshit. She um sort of gets very confused, doesn't really know where she is, and she comes at Ian with a pair of C- Caesar's. Caesar's. <laughs> she comes at Julius
0: Ian. and Romulus <laughs> and, a, and a salad dressing.
1: <laughs> she comes. At, she comes at Ian with a chicken Caesar salad.
0: I went to the food machine. <laughs> Would you like to have it? <laughs> One bite I taste the anchovy, the next bite I taste the mustard. The next I taste the chicken, then the croissant lettuce, then the krypton, and there's salt and pepper here as well. Yes, yes, my boy. <laughs> She's just <laughs> flinging a Caesar
1: salad across the... Ooh, um, she comes at Ian with a pair of scissors and in the performance of a lifetime...
0: Oh my ..just goes
1: absolutely mental... And it's incredible to watch. She starts stabbing at the air. She starts stabbing the chair. I think she comes to play Barbara later on.
0: Oh yeah, the bit where where Barbara is like making sure that she's all right, and she's just lying there on possibly the most uncomfortable looking beds I've ever seen. Don't understand how these were qualified by the time lords to constitute as beds. (laughs) Um, But she's. Did you see
1: what they were sleeping on in that like in that hut in Listen? No wonder the bed situation isn't great. The doctor's traumatized by his there childhood sleeping on hay bales, and now now has now, like
0: these like sun lounger recliners that you would you know, wouldn't go and miss in Tenerife, but like.
1: <laughs> so the doctor's so traumatized that he can't get a good bed or a good chair because he because it, it it you know the you know you said to me the other day that you had to sleep in a cold room because of your childhood yeah. <laughs> Sorry to bring up the trauma on the podcast. It's not trauma;
0: it's Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> oh my
1: god! <laughs> <laughs> I think we're. On the, I think we should. Uh, I think we need to move to comedy, David. Me. Just, <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so we've just established that the doctor <clears throat> has had a trauma response <laughs> when it comes to buying a bed slash chairs and they have to be very uncomfortable and reminded of the barn from listen. <laughs>
0: Oh I'm goodness. crying.
1: I can't even speak because that's just made me
0: cry. <laughs> but no, I was going to say, the bit where Susan is on the uncomfortable bed and being looked after by Barbara and is just staring at her, like, you are know, when cats stare at you when they're, like, about to fight you.
1: Right? Like, and also, the the weird, like, cloak thing she ends up wearing. Oh, that's she, a she, Her, like, neck looks so long that it's almost creepy. Oh, yeah.
0: It's like of like, elongated, bizarre, yeah. long, long necks. The last time I saw the credit I said had long necks. Uh,
1: <laughs> Susan, Susan's back as a grilotine confirmed. <laughs> that's a big finish. That's a big.
0: What I was gonna say? Was, um, my favorite, one of my favorite bits in this entire episode is when Susan has the scissors and is staring at Barbara like she's a, like a cat that's about to fight her. Mm. And Barbara's like, "Are you okay? What's wrong?" "I'm fine." Right. <laughs> Lying there, and then she turns. Barbara turns around and then goes, "Susan, why don't you give me the scissors?" And I was like, "Oh, this is scary. I don't like this." She's about to stab them all. So. I
1: have one thing to say about Susan and then I want to quickly talk about the scary factor. So the thing I was going to say about Susan is that there's a little bit where um, she faints or something and Ian... No, no, no. Yes, she touches the TARDIS controls and she flies back because the TARDIS controls have made her faint and Ian picks her up and flings her over Over his his shoulder. shoulder. And then I thought, Susan is on someone's back again. Uh For a third story in a row, Susan is on somebody's back. Not of her own accord this time, but she's still on Ian's back.
0: Also, I understand that, like, you know, we do irrational things when we have experienced, uh, you know, fainting, collapse, comas. Hmm. But Ian picking up Susan and putting over his shoulder is possibly one of the most bizarre things I think I've seen.
1: It was 1964.
0: I understand it's 1964, but it's also like, what the hell are you doing?
1: But, like, have you not seen 2001's Shrek? (laughs) <laughs> where Shrek puts Fiona Are you give his... <laughs> you to
0: compare Mike Myers and Cameron Diaz's iconic where... Shrek with this piece of art?
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, like it's it's normal for big a big bloke to put a woman over his shoulder. Is it? <laughs> no, Are I'm you just, hearing the words you're saying? No, in your face, I'm just um, I'm just trying to bring Shrek into the conversation. Oh yeah, sorry, I've
0: regularly put women over my shoulder.
1: Yeah, I don't think that's ever happened to me. Or has it? I don't think so. Well,
0: we've got five minutes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that this story is genuinely really scary.
0: It is absolutely terrifying at a point. And,
1: and, I, and, and I was trying to get into the headspace of a young 1964 child while I was watching it. And I really like that it's really creepy and really terrifying. But then at the end, when they realise what the problem is, the doctor spends a really long time explaining exactly how the button has got stuck yeah. for the children at home so they know everything's okay. Like They been like a abnormally long amount of time explaining how a button gets stuck, in my yeah. opinion. And I thought, oh, he's just trying to reassure the little kiddies. You know, uh, it almost felt like William Hartnell chucked that in there himself just yeah. to make sure that the kids were all right. Now
0: you see, children. what happened to When I hold my thumb down on a torch.
1: <laughs> it's exactly that.
0: <laughs> that impression is not even accurate. No, <laughs> love doing yeah, it.
1: You still sound like William Hartnell um, somehow.
0: But can I also talk a bit about, like, one of the scariest bits wasn't actually parts where they were threatening to stab each other or where they were kind of like, you know, shouting at each other, which I would like to come back to because there's another thing I want to talk about. But the first one I want to talk about is where the Doctor and Ian become chivalrous again mm. or, like, quite, like, protective of the women in their lives.
1: What, when the Doctor straight up like, let's lie to them and not tell them they're going to die? Yes. Because women are fragile.
0: It's the second time that it's happened. Where, like, it is, in yeah. the Daleks, where they go... Barbara, Susan, keep on the lookout for Daleks. And they're mm. like, we're going to open this, and it's going to be absolutely haunting. And yeah. they're like, this episode, they go, Barbara, Susan, I want you to go and stand at the doors and see what you can see outside. Mm. And then Ian and the Doctor go, right, well, um, we've got five minutes before the Tarsis explodes, and um, uh, we just don't want to tell them that they're going to die. Yeah. So um, let's just, like, you know, make the most of it. But what I do like from that scene, even though it's kind of, like, weird and... Yeah, it's, it's, like, misogynistic and, you know...
1: It's one of those... It's kind of gives the energy of, like, the Doctor sending Rose back in the TARDIS in Parting of the Ways and Clara in Time of the Doctor, where it's, like, making... Or, wiping Donna's memory, like, making a choice for the woman... That they think is the better choice yes. without giving them the choice yeah. themselves, because I guarantee you, Rose, Cara, and Donna all would have disagreed with that choice. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, and
1: same with with Barbara and Susan. Barbara is the driving force behind um, figuring out what's going on in this episode and mm. saving the day. And she, I guarantee you, that she would have far rather have known what was going on.
0: Yes, than just being like, "You stand over there and look outside." Mm.
1: So but, it's not just a nineteen sixty four thing; it's just a Doctor thing it's as a well.
0: Thing. It's something that I'm starting to notice more and more often. Is like when the Doctor and Ian. Have moments together, mm-hmm. and they're just like they're just like chums, like these lads going through time and space. Yeah, and I quite like that it's masculinity that yes, at points is very nineteen sixties, but it's just nice and quite <laughs> wholesome.
1: It, it, yeah, I do genuinely find their relationship really wholesome, and also for the most part, Ian does stick up like that. There was a moment in the Daleks where he said that he that people shouldn't underestimate mm. underestimate Barbara. And he, like, begs the doctor to apologise to Barbara in this yeah. episode. So he does stick up for Barbara most of the time. And, that, and it, it, yeah, it's a very wholesome relationship.
0: And the doctor himself says in this episode, like, I underestimated you and I'm sorry. Yeah, really. one of my...
1: Literally my favourite part about this story is that whole end scene mm. where he, she's literally, you know, he tries to kind of, like, shrug it off and then she's like, no, I'm actually upset about this. This is not okay. Yeah. Um, about how he was treating her. And then he goes to apologise and they have this whole little conversation... And it's so cute to see that she's like, why do you care about me? And you sort of, Mm. we're beginning to see that they have become like a little family and they do care about each other. And that's really nice because Doctor Who is about, in my opinion, a lot of the time, chosen family. And I guess being kidnapped isn't a choice. (laughs) But um, the fact that they've become so close is really lovely. And you can see their friendship really blossoming.
0: So one of the things I found really interesting about this story is that Doctor Who was originally commissioned for 13 episodes, so, an Unearthly Child is four episodes. The Daleks takes it up to seven. So, these two episodes uh, are the kind of final ones that were in that original commission run. And they had gone way over budget for the Daleks and Unearthly Child. And David Whittaker, who wrote this story, basically was told either he wrote this script or there was no script and they would go off air for two weeks. And he wrote this in two days. And for something that is written in two days, this is... Uh, it, like It's great for something that is written in two days. Mm. Um, there are so many... Yeah, there's so many elements that I just really love to this. The horror element is really great to it. Um, and like you said, I hadn't thought about that, but it does have that connection to Midnight, um, which we'll come to in about 10,000 years. Mm. Um, and that kind of claustrophobic feeling throughout it is really, yeah, is really it makes me feel really uncomfortable watching it. I was like, mm. oh, and also this is the first story that is set just purely on board the TARDIS, yeah. But it is a real kind of character study almost. Yeah. Like if we didn't have this, where the kind of the four of them are kind of put in a room essentially and have to figure out, it's like an escape room essentially. Mm. They're put in a room, they've got to work out what's going on, and if they don't. Get out! They're going to die, yeah. and it brings them together in a way that I don't think had, they had had to be brought together before. Yes, they had to escape from the Daleks and you know get out of the cave of skulls, etc. Mm. But this is a whole new ball game where they don't have to. They they can't just rely on on brawn. Essentially, yeah. you know they have to kind of think a little bit mm-hmm. outside of the is, box.
1: It's all outside of the box.
0: The <laughs> of the <bowl. laughs>
1: yeah, it is all. It, it's so nice to see them brought together in. A, in in this way to only interact with each other because everybody obviously has time with each other and after i guess like the seven part story that, we, that was where there was where there's quite a lot of characters yeah. this is a nice sort of you know we go straight into an episode where it's just the four of them and we get to see how their relationship has developed um the claustrophobic is such a good word even though they go into like multiple rooms in the TARDIS don't they it's not just the console yeah
0: so there's the food machine room there's like the kind of sick bay where Susan's recovering there's like a couple of different spaces but Mm -hmm. it is really just like it's like the size of a flat really it's like Mm -hmm. it's not that big and when you're under a lot of pressure and you can't go anywhere then it kind of yeah it really forces them to work together and the Mm -hmm. the scene that I think I potentially like the most is when the Doctor threatens to kick them out of the TARDIS yeah because That is very
1: midnight. It, that's the bit that made me go, that's like midnight. They're
0: just all like yelling at each other. And the doctor's like, you have done something. What have you done to the ship? Like mm. you want to steal the ship away from me. It's so paranoid. Mm. And yeah, claustrophobic.
1: Yeah, it is. It's so, um. It, yeah, it makes you get a little bit panicky inside. And you're like... Uh, how are they going to get out of this? Because yeah. they're, they're not really anywhere. They're at the TARDIS, and like that's the one place of safety that yeah. they should have. So something I found interesting in terms of the law in this story is that it doesn't seem that the Doctor has two hearts yet, mm. which is a massive part of Doctor Who and is mentioned constantly in New Who. And um, I guess I just hadn't really thought—I hadn't really thought about it that much before. But apparently, the first mention of the Doctor having two hearts was established in Spearhead from Space. So that's a really long time away yeah. right and i guess that it, it you kind of forget that there are so many doctor who things that haven't actually been introduced at this point in the show you know i think the first mention of gallifrey and the time lords comes a lot later and things like um, that um and... yeah seven
0: years, like no six years away from actually mentioning that he's got two hearts.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Like, Doctor Who, for a whole six years, like, we didn't even... And obviously, Barbara says his heart is working properly, so she doesn't hear two hearts. So it's really... It's yeah. just a, it was a really interesting thing to watch from the New Who perspective.
0: Maybe it's just that thing that she doesn't check.
1: Yeah, maybe she just didn't... Re- yeah, very, that's... I mean, my my headcanon is that Barbara doesn't know how to, to check for her heartbeat. Heart rate. Silly... She's a silly woman. She's a
0: silly woman who can only use ointments and bandages. <laughs> oh, yes, that's, one, that's another thing that I found really... Not weird, but like I just kind of had a huh kind of moment to it mm-hmm. when um, the doctor, like, uh, yeah, when he, when the explosion happens at the start of the episode, he like falls over and cuts his head, and Barbara goes, "Susan, get me some ointment." Like, mm-hmm. what kind of ointment?
1: Literally, what are you, like what are you talking about? Generic yeah, what's cut an ointment? ointment. What's it, what's that ointment that um cream called that you put on a cut? Germoline. Germoline. <laughs> get, get me the germoline.
0: Ask the food machines. <laughs> make germoline. Ask the food machine to make, <laughs> make um, bonjela. Am I right? You're right. Yummy bonjela.
1: Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I'm going to move on from that swiftly. Uh, another bit of a, bit, a few things of law that I noticed. A few things of law that a few makes of sense. Lore. Um, we get the the TARDIS memory banks get a mention, which yes. is really interesting, and then we're introduced to the Fault Locator, mm-hmm. which are two cool TARDIS things that I I'm pretty sure only first mentioned this story.
0: I really like that because there's time in which to explore all of these little bits of the TARDIS because you're writing like multiple episodes for one story. Mm-hmm. I kind of miss that in New Doctor Who. Like those, like it's it, it's exciting when we get to look inside the TARDIS. Like journey to the center of the TARDIS. Uh, we'll come to that episode at some point mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember before watching it I was so excited because I just thought oh i gosh we're going to get to go inside the TARDIS and see mm-hmm. all these rooms that we've never seen and I just I miss that the only kind of mention of things that are that we get in New Who that's related to the console or related to the actual TARDIS is like the cloister bells ringing. We're in danger.
1: Um, sorry, David, don't you remember the custard cream dispenser oh, yes, that was custard, used one sorry, time?
0: The custard cream dispenser that should have been used in every other episode of Doctor Who, but it wasn't, um, or the wardrobe that gets like one shot in that one episode.
1: Yeah, and Jodie did have a pretty cool thing that was like a scanner, but that it was like made of water vapor. Oh yes, vapor. It's made of
0: water vapor. Like, yeah. I like the water vapor one. But like, there's never oh yes, pass me the water vapor. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. put some water in the water vapor, vapor machine, or oh, the the spinning crystal Tardis that's on board the the actual Tardis needs mm. polishing, or oh, I'm that-
1: sure there are more mentions of bits of the Tardis. I can't really remember to be honest, but I think that like you're right that it's interesting to... Like, you want to know how bits of the TARDIS work. So it's like, oh, yes, of course, there is a, a thing called the Fault Locator. Yes. You know? Or, of course, there is a TARDIS memory bank. And then, obviously, later on in Nuhu and stuff, we find out that there's, like, the heart of the TARDIS and things mm. like that. It makes it like, yeah, they're, they're piloting an actual ship. It's not just magic. They have, yeah. like, buttons to use. And also, there's a lot of talk in the tar- uh, in this episode about the TARDIS being sentient and being able to think. Yeah, And I thought that was so interesting because I I hadn't really realised I have watched this story before I couldn't really remember it. I hadn't really realised how far back that sort of goes about the TARDIS. The doctor was like, Oh well, no, it can't think. And then he's sort of like, Oh well, maybe it thinks like a machine would think. And then you're sort of like, Oh, this is the first time that they they're getting to the, the core of the TARDIS yeah. as a as a machine. Um and then obviously knew who it literally gets like turned into a whole woman. But um, you know. We we know we know that the TARDIS is sentient as as new Doctor Who fans, but I think it's interesting to hear them talking about that in this story.
0: I mean, it goes back to the earthly child when like mm. when Ian and Barbara touch the box, it's like mm-hmm. it's alive.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's humming. Yeah, you're so right. It's it, I like the kind of little droplets of information we're getting that the TARDIS is actually like a, a thing that's alive and it's sentient. a thing that is. Yeah. yeah, I like that a lot, and it's not really. It's not obvious. It's not like. The jokes about the Doctor stroking the TARDIS and New Who, and talking to it and stuff, but it is like, oh, like it's a, it's not just your normal. I was gonna say your normal average spaceship,
0: normal time machine. Uh, it's not. It's
1: not like yeah, your Argus catalog time machine. It's, it's, it's sentient and it can and warn you of significant danger, like mm. it does in this story. And I love that. I love that they established that so early on.
0: I going to talk a bit more about the fashion in this episode. So there's various, like, outfits that I went That's to sleigh. So mm. we've talked about um, Susan's... Susan's <laughs> elongated neck cape uh, that she wears. Then there's also Barbara's trousers that have got, like, circular holes in them yeah i was like i was
1: like that's a bit saucy
0: where is this from? i mean look
1: like, we know the swinging 60s were like quite cool, cool but i didn't i didn't expect barbara to have little holes, holes in her in
0: leg before she goes to inferno's <laughs> um and then there's ian in his dressing gown but he's still my like, beating heart
1: he looks good in his dressing gown but you
0: you see right up the thigh
1: do you yeah
0: when he falls to oh. the ground you're like oh i wasn't oh, i
1: mustn't have been paying enough attention oh, ding dong
0: ding dong ian Jackson. <laughs> Um, we've also not talked about it, but what kind of relationship do you think Barbara and Ian had before they got on board the TARDIS? Like, so
1: I think that it, sorry to
0: interrupt I was just going to say, to put it plainly, were, were they shagging before they got on board the TARDIS?
1: This is what I, I, I remember while watching the Daleks, I thought they are very comfortable with each other and care about each other a lot. But then was that just a, a symptom of like being, you know. I guess colleagues and friends, but then I do. There are romantic vibes, and I just wonder if it was like they were they were close colleagues and maybe being pushed into this, you know, crazy situation mm. is what sort of brings them together as a couple. And yeah. you know, they're not on Earth. They're having these like no one else. When they go back to Earth, no one else will know what they've seen. <laughs> you know, so I think that really pushes them. In my mind, that really pushes them together, and I'm sure we'll find out more as we watch
0: along. I kind of agree. I feel like right now. Yes, they have, like, very cute moments together. I don't think they were kind of having it off with one another before they got onto the TARDIS. Mm -hmm. I think it's that thing of, yeah, you find someone at work that you really vibe with, that it just becomes your mate. And then when you you go through, like, really difficult things with someone who is in that uh, work environment, it really does bring you together. Whether that's, like, you go through something emotional or you go through something personal... And you talk, you're like, who can, I'm, I'm in this place five days a week. Mm. Who can I talk to about this thing? You find your best mate at work and you talk mm. about all those things that, that, are, that are difficult. And I guess yeah. that...
1: It's like a proximity thing. Yeah, It's like exactly. Ariana, Ariana Grande with all her boyfriends.
0: <laughs> and it always comes back to that.
1: I think that the doctor brought them close you know, brought them together in the same way that he did Mickey and Martha. <laughs> Sorry, that was not a good reference. Um, it's because we we watched a series four the other day, didn't we, David? And now I've got Martha in my head. Um,
0: Can I just say, I fully respect anyone who went to the Dr. Donathon. And I think that it was an amazing opportunity, an amazing event. I had to go for a nap.
1: He went for a huge nap around about what? Poison skull Poison
0: Sky, Sontaran Strategy. I went for... i went I'm like, I'm just going to go for an to go for an hour. i to It was more nap. than an
1: hour. I think you went for like four episodes. Yeah, I went, yeah
0: well. <laughs> I'm just we, e- uh, yes. too eerie, too eerie. Um, But 13, <laughs> 14 hours of television, like...
1: Yeah, I did I get to turn left and kind of
0: We lost died. our minds a little I bit. I actually think
1: I died inside a little bit because then <sighs> left, when, left, it, left, when left. I saw a picture of series... Like the series four promo picture the next day, I like felt sick. I <laughs> got a bit triggered. <laughs> it was, uh, I don't think I'm ever going to binge watch Doctor Who in that way again. It was no, a lot.
0: <laughs> it was, it was, t- it was too much, too much.
1: But we still love it. We yes. still love it.
0: Okay. Uh, Beth, we need to give this episode a star rating get five.
1: Mm.
0: And I, I, this is hard.
1: Should we say it at the same time what we're going to give
0: it? Okay. okay. Three, two, one, five. Three. Oh. oh! i i just think there's something about this that is so that's the word i was missing earlier it's so hitchcockian
1: yeah there's something
0: so psychological and weird about this episode and i just think that pressure makes diamonds like you can feel the kind of I've got two days to write this, and I've got to write something that's going to make sure that this series continues, yeah, and I've got to bring all these characters together in one room to save on budget and it just feels like it's just a really fascinating character study with a really lovely sci fi element or four thrown into it for good measure mm. and i i I think it's kind of perfect in some ways i don't I don't know what I would say that's negative about this i think other I than think, William Hart not tripping well, over his lines of parallel,
1: <laughs> I think apparently um, he, one of them he did on purpose because he was making fun of them all, making fun of him, and he said fornicator instead of the fault locator. That was an adventure in <laughs> space and <of> time. I <laughs> yeah, think. I remember that. Um,
0: that a jolly I man. think
1: that for a classic Who story, it's paced like a new Who story. Yes. And if you smooshed them together, it would be about the length of a new yeah. Who story, and that's probably why you love it so much. And I completely agree, and I think I actually watched the episodes a couple of days apart, so maybe that's where it's fallen down a little bit for me. Um, I think it's such a good concept, but then I did just laugh out loud when it was all just like, because a button got stuck.
0: But I think that's fun. I think that's like... It is, no, it
1: is. It's really fun. I just think that with with An Unearthly Child and the Daleks, they're so iconic. Hmm. And I think... Maybe I slightly lost momentum with this one a little bit. But okay. I do the thing is I've always actually really loved The Edge of Destruction. I think if you'd asked me before this this time how much I loved it, I'd give it a four or five. Mm. I think if you want to, we can probably stick with the four or five rating. The reason I went for three was just because maybe I'm rethinking it actually. So I'm thinking all the great stuff. Okay, hold on. I'm 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 having a reconsideration live on air. E- because e- e- Barbara, That's the reversing. stuff <laughs> Switch that, reverse it. Um no. <laughs>
0: What? I don't ever want to be reminded of that of that trailer ever again. I
1: love I love it. I never I, I love that trailer. It's I, that f- that film is written by um Simon Farnaby
0: Who's Simon Varnaby?
1: He's from Ghosts. He's a, he's a writer. He
0: he's, actually did he actually write that?
1: Yeah, he wrote Phantom of the Open. as well. the film's not out yet,
0: David. <sighs> Yeah.
1: Stop being judgy.
0: A bit, what? Don't be judgy. Don't. don't Have don't... you
1: seen *Phantom of the Open*? That is a masterpiece, and I will never hear. And also, oh if no, I, Simon, I, I know Simon I Farnaby know. wrote Paddington as well. Oh, I
0: know. This like film's going to be good. Well. Uh, <laughs> a trailer is meant to entice you into wanting to watch a film. Do I want to go and watch *Wonka* while sober? No, I don't. Do would not... I want to watch it after having several gins? Probably would.
1: We don't need gin. We need literally half a bubble tea to go off. Apparently. Oh, it true. Well, I mean, Simon Farnaby follows me on Twitter, so maybe we shouldn't. Keep...
0: <laughs> it's possible. Simon, that art, could is, to art, us. art is art is subjective. Simon, art is subjective.
1: <laughs> no, I love him. Paddington he's' my, smash. He's actually, actually, one of my big writing idols. I'm obsessed with his writing. All
0: right, stop, 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 stop coming on to Simon Farnaby. <laughs> Uh Cool. I am um... <laughs> actually going to keep all of that in. Listen, <laughs> si- no. Simon, Simon, Paddington smash. Paddington two smash. Phantom of the Open smash. Wonka, based on trailer, not for me. But it's for everyone else, and that's fine. I'm not going to judge anyone for going to see it. But do I want to be reminded of that trailer ever again? Not particularly.
1: Okay, well, you're wrong. Should <laughs> we uh, should we stick with a five-star rating for Edge of Destruction? What we can there?
0: do is, on the poster, we could put two sets of stars and put yeah. my names underneath them.
1: Okay, because I think that my previous rating would, would have been a four or a five. I think I just re-evaluated it differently this time just because I found it more funny than dramatic in some places. And I, I think I remembered it to be more dramatic mm. than funny because um, of the, the way that Susan's so overdramatic and the way they fall to the floor when there's, like, an explosion and then the button thing. It was all a bit... I just was sat there um, kind of hysterical, finding it quite mm. funny. So,
0: But I, wonder, I, 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 I would say that there's another Doctor Who story that is resolved by a button, which is Journey to the Center of the Tardis, which we were just talking <laughs> about. It. And I feel like that's a worse resolution than this. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but I wouldn't give. I, would, I don't think I'd give Journey to the Son of Tardis even a three, David. So, oh, wow, <laughs> that, that's for later. So that's
0: a spoiler for um, fifteen years.
1: Let me think. I th- I think.
0: You stick with three. If you want to do three, then yeah, put up the poster. Yeah, I think...
1: Do you know what? I think we should stick with five stars, because I think you're right. It is a very no, good No, we, could, we could,
0: Let's put both on the poster. Okay, let's put both, let's on, put both on the poster. Let's put both on the poster. I have five stars, because I'm correct, and you have three, because you hate Doctor Who. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well,
1: I think that we should talk about one of our segments, which which has now aged very badly, is the background character of the week. Oh,
0: this is... I feel so bad now because, like, we thought this was going to be a fun thing that... Every week would be reliable for humour, and uh, on this episode, um, let me count the number of characters on my hand who appear in this episode. We've got the Doctor, we've got Ian, we've got Barbara, we've got Susan. That's literally it.
1: So there aren't any background characters to pick. However, there in the scene at the beginning where the Doctor's laying on the floor <laughs> um, with a with a gash in his head, um, there is a chair leg behind. Okay. There is a chair leg. I'm trying not to descend into hysteria again, David. There's a chair leg behind the TARDIS console that I mistook for a very big dog.
0: <laughs> I mistook
1: this this chair leg for a large dog, and for I had to pause it because I was like, "Why is there a dog on the TARDIS?" <laughs> so that's my background character of the week. It's the chair leg, the tar- well, which is attached to a chair, I believe. Um, <laughs> next it's to just TARDIS. a
0: solitary chair leg. Like. <laughs> Yeah. Grandfather, I found a chair leg outside! <laughs> it was the chair leg all along! <laughs> <laughs> so my background character of the week, except it's an object and not a character, is um, the terrifying Cathedral Clock. <laughs> and the reason is, so in in this episode, because they are constantly travelling back in time because the fast return switch has been pressed, which sends them to the start of the solar system, all of their watch faces melt and go go bizarre and they find that really freaky and find it, it really weird it is really Could weird can you imagine
1: if every clock in your house suddenly went wibbly imagine if every clock just like stopped
0: and just went nah. at the
1: same time like your phone your know, like everything yeah. that would be really and just scary just went
0: bizarre so um Barbara sees this while she's like in the middle of shouting and finds it the freakiest thing that has ever happened and I just thought that is quite a camp terrifying clock face
1: Mm, it is it is there's not much else to pick from other than like the scissors Um, oh my goodness the
0: scissors could be a best background character of the week (laughs) they
1: did have a very good performance (laughs) I would give that performance a five star from the scissors they're really long scissors and the
0: BAFTA goes to scissors scissors, surgical scissors
1: (laughs) rather than scissors scissor the singer scissor the singer (laughs) who I always called Sarr I didn't know that it was scissor I just thought it was so I have to remind myself that it's not just (laughs) Yeah. okay
0: Let's do our quote of the week. And Beth, do you want to go first with your quote?
1: Yeah, I have two, oh,
0: well but then. I might
1: just pick the one. Okay. There's a bit where the doctor's like, we should just go outside. And then Susan goes, it may be too hot to exist. And I just found it funny because for some reason in my head, she was talking about a person <laughs> for a second <laughs> and it just made me laugh. There's not actually that many like funny quotes to pick from. from no, this very it's short quite dark. Story. It is and it's very dramatic. And like we say before, very fast paced. There's not mm. a lot of like fluffy you Know yeah. padding, so um, mine is it may be too hot to exist,
0: right? Mine is um, it's not an innuendo, but it is quite iconic. And I feel like I want to deliver this from a distance, so if you excuse me, <laughs> I'm stand
1: up. um, just to let you all know, he's just got on up and walked halfway and across my stand lounge. stand and deliver
0: it from here. You don't know, do you? You're just guessing, aren't you? <laughs> which, and
1: the BAFTA goes to,
0: <laughs> which, um, around the time of. of politics of the last 5 years that that scene has been cut up and shared very very many times i didn't know has yeah, it? yeah oh yeah it's, it became a thing for a little while of like people being like oh this is what this is what people are up to in politics recently. You don't know, do you? You're just guessing, aren't you?
1: Did it actually? I think, totally... I
0: think around COVID, especially when people oh were like God. not really sure as to what we were meant to do. OK,
1: let's. I think we should pick this quote for the week. <laughs> I like this quote. You
0: go, no, do you? You're just guessing, aren't you? Um, and I didn't <laughs> know which Doctor Who episode it was from, but I found out which one it's from. It's All from right. The End of Destruction. Who and
1: who says it? Barbara. Barbara, Barbara. Right. Barbara
0: says it to the Doctor when he's like theorising as to why the TARDIS has gone wibbly. And she goes, you don't know, do you? You're yeah. Just
1: casting, aren't you? I remember that. She is iconic. I love you Babs. love you Babs. I've got a couple of fun facts for you David. I'm just going to go straight in there. I to go, I'm on, Beth go straight in there. Thank you. That is my name. Um, <laughs> so in the episode, Barbara is the one that comes to all the conclusions and is doing all the intuitive theorizing and saving genius. the day because she is a strong, independent, smart woman. Um, and apparently it was originally Ian that was supposed to do that instead of Barbara. Ah. Apparently they changed it while they were recording.
0: It, it um, would be quite funny to have Barbara try and strangle everyone at one point.
1: But isn't that so, it's so interesting because obviously they've made a conscious choice to give it to Barbara instead yeah. of Ian. And I really like that throughout the stories we've seen so far, there seems to be a good balance of things that everyone gets to do. Ian's you know? quite
0: useless this episode, to be fair.
1: No, but he did so much yes. heroic stuff in the Daleks. Give yeah. him a little break. Men, men need a rest too. Men, men-, need,
0: to re- <laughs> men need to recover
1: And also another little fact that I just read is that apparently Verity Lambert had to write a letter um, of apology to the BBC (laughs) Children's Department. They thought that it was Susan acting violently with a pair of scissors Uh, shouldn't have have happened on screen. They were like, that's not wise. I bet those kids were absolutely terrified.
0: What, and pretending to be Susan with scissors?
1: Yeah, can you imagine? (laughs) (laughs)
0: Little eight-year-olds running around with the massive
1: scissors. Actually, that's so interesting because the plot of Jacqueline Rayner's new 60th anniversary book, imaginary friends I don't want to spoil it but that does happen it's like children acting out bits of Doctor Who in a violent (laughs) in a slightly more problematic way than others sometimes Mm. Um, yeah those are my fun facts about this story. Good and fun there are facts. lots of good fun facts about this story. Can we just quickly explain that the reason that we're hysterical is because we've drunk bubble tea that has so much sugar in it that I literally have gone. I
0: asked for a hyper. regular amount of sugar. This is like what's normal. I, I feel haven't like really we... had
1: much sugar for the last two days, so I think it's really hit me. Woo! I feel
0: um, drunk. Lots of fun facts, including um the first ever drop in clang of a historical figure. So um mm. When I noticed that. right at the end of the episode, uh, Ian's about to go outside. Oh, another chic clothing moment mm-hmm. in his massive piss off coat. Mm-hmm. Which is like, it's big enough for two people, Doctor.
1: He looks good in that.
0: And the Doctor says, Yeah, says, well, I got that from Gilbert and Sullivan.
1: Who are Gilbert and Sullivan?
0: Uh, they mm. were musicians.
1: Oh, yeah, I did know that.
0: So Gilbert and Sullivan were at very, very successful. Opera and musician writers, including HMS Pinafore, uh, The Pirates of Penzance, The Mikado was written by Gilbert uh, and Sullivan, Yeomen of the Guard.
1: We've already got the Doctor like dropping it name dropping yeah. already. Clang, I love that.
0: went to meet my lads, Gilbert and Sullivan.
1: Week, we pick a song that encapsulates the story that we've watched so we we normally pick a song each and decide which one is our song of the story and then you can go listen to it on our who watched song of the story playlist what are the song picks for this week David? so
0: um my song i've chosen is little things by ali x and the reason that i've chosen the song is because some of the lyrical content just reminds me of this story it's the little things i get mad about Little things are going to bring me down. Death by a thousand cuts. So just like talking about how all the small things eventually build up to make make a massive problem.
1: Oh, and that's a good shout. The
0: small thing of the return, fast return switch being held down accidentally was causing their entire deaths.
1: That is a very very good shout. I haven't heard the song, but I'll go and listen
0: to it. When the world outside is out of control, of my my mind, I take it all on my stride.
1: Good. This I is like very that. Doctor Who-ish. Yeah. My pick for this story was Edge of Glory by Lady Gaga because... um,
0: Because it's got the word edge of. Because it's got the
1: word edge of, but also because they are on the edge of, um, you know, saving the day. It's hot to feel the rush, to brush the dangerous. I'm going to run right to the edge with you. And I'm on the edge of glory and I'm hanging on a moment with you. (laughs) I just feel like it really works. And that she says the word edge a lot. (laughs) I think we should go with your one.
0: Jesus (laughs) Christ.
1: I think we should go with your one.
0: Can I be completely honest? Yeah, I think we should go with mine.
1: (laughs) It was, um, I I just don't think it's a bad choice. No, absolutely
0: not. If we were talking about a different story. um... Sorry, (laughs) it's not a bad choice. No, edge of Glory
1: for The Edge of Destruction is not a bad choice. I, like, mm, I'm sorry. If I, they didn't get destructed, then it's glory, isn't it? If they
0: didn't get destructed, <laughs> it's glory in it. <sighs>
1: uh, <laughs> okay, we're going to go with David's choice because he looks yeah. like he wants to hit me. <laughs> Don't say <laughs> that. We
0: don't condone violence. We don't condone on, violence on
1: the mic,
0: <laughs> on the microphone. But when it switches off, Beth, wow. Beth is going to push me down some stairs. <laughs> um, I'm going. I think I'm going to suggest we go with little things. If that's yeah, all right. yeah,
1: no, that's
0: fine. And also because I've not had a song yet on also, the playlist, new, the <laughs> last
1: two songs were mine, so that's fine. To yeah, exactly.
0: Yours. Um, if you want to listen to the song of the story playlist, you can click the link in our description, which will take us to take you to our link tree, and the playlist is on there. Um, I'm also at some point going to find a way of putting on Best appearance on BBC Radio london onto there uh so please stay tuned for that if you want to listen to it on your own accord scroll back to bbc radio london on sunday and uh, beth was on at about uh 20 to 6 on yeah. sunday evening
1: the 5th of the 5th of november 5th
0: of november campaign of Driesland plot um <laughs> so you can listen to her talk uh, all about the hooniverse um what was the interview like? Because she seemed really lovely, the presenter.
1: It was really nice. It was much longer than I thought that it was going to be. Normally, you just go on for like sixty seconds. Yeah. She asked quite a lot of questions, and it was it was really it was really lovely. She asked me about fandom and um, you know what it means that all of Doctor Who has gone on iPlayer. She was asking me what we're doing to celebrate the sixtieth mm-hmm. anniversary. She was really lovely, and and we talked a bit about Shyti Gatwa and how cool all of his outfits are. Yeah. yeah, it was a great interview. I really loved it. So um,
0: yeah, do, do go and find that indeed. Yeah. Have you got any news? Is anything happening?
1: There is so much Doctor Who news. And yet nothing. <laughs> and, like, that I can't even remember. Do you know what I mean? There's so yeah. m- The specials are about to air. The premiere was, like, on Monday. Yes. Um,
0: oh. oh! Oh! Let me stand up and shout this from a distance.
1: He stood up again, guys. <laughs> The Actors' strike is over! The Actors' strike is over, so that means David Tennant will be able to go on every oh, chat show imaginable.
0: Thank God for that!
1: Um, re- really, I think that the biggest news at the moment is still the iPlayer stuff. And yeah. the specials coming up, there was just a new Doctor Who magazine out with all the previews of the specials.
0: Which had a for Wild Blue Yonder, which suggested that there's going to be three people that we've not been told about, which which I'm not surprised by. I knew there was going to be like mm-hmm. more stuff than first appeared I, I still think that the actor strike is like it's gonna be such a big deal because part of my worry was we were gonna walk into this new era it would have been beneficial for Shooty and for Millie if David and Catherine hadn't done anything yeah. and then they resolved, they resolved the strike before Christmas and then they could have just had a clean run just to do it by themselves mm-hmm. um however I think it's really great that because the strike is now over, David and Catherine will be able to for the next two weeks mm. just do every, everything. Yeah, um, and also
1: maybe good that it's just two weeks rather than two yes. longer, so it's not too oversaturated.
0: But I also feel very very grateful um, that we're gonna have like two weeks of pure Doctor Who content. Yeah. Graham, Graham Norton, you know, type appearances. Children in Needs is next week as well, which mm. will be great. Um, there'll probably be stuff on Radio 1, Radio 2. I think there radio is 4. something on almost
1: every radio station. You
0: know, there'll be, like, there'll be a full-blown PR mm. exercise, and it's going to be exciting. It's and exciting. I feel really glad that all the stuff that um, inevitably will have been recorded before the strike that is sat on, Servers at the bbc that we've not been they've not been able to use <laughs> we'll finally see the light of day so that Yay. is good um and yeah so i think that's gonna be a very exciting few weeks
1: it is um can i give a little shout out to uh the quiz of Rassalon?
0: you absolutely can beth as always has a round at the quiz of rassilon
1: not I just has a round
0: <laughs> what do you do i've never actually played it
1: wow um so we are the quiz of Rassalon. um a Doctor Who quiz that I've been running for over 10 years and we are doing a quiz at Riverside Studios on Sunday the 26th of November Um, after their Adventure in Space and Time screening. Everyone is welcome to join Doctor Who's birthday party where I will be writing around but also hosting (laughs) and various other things that I do for the quiz. Have you
0: decided what your round's going to be on? (laughs)
1: Uh, I think Tales of the TARDIS. I'm not not entirely sure. Let's um, let's come back to that next week. But um, please join us at Riverside Studios for a big celebration of Doctor Who.
0: A big birthday bash. Um, If you want to get in touch with us and tell us all your thoughts about the end of destruction. Um, or, or
1: literally anything. Or else. literally
0: anything, we don't mind. Uh, it is at Who watch Podcast and all the socials, and you can email us at the whowatchpodcast Who at gmail.com. At gmail.com. Um, next week, well, <laughs> we're going to talk about Marco Polo. Um,
1: <laughs> so, have we decided if we want to watch the Telesnaps yet, or if we want to do it a different way?
0: Let's try and watch it.
1: Okay. We're going to try and watch the telesnaps, and you can find out whether we've decided yes or no to that <laughs> we'll in the
0: back. next
1: episode.
0: So this is actually, I mean, for people who don't know, this will be the first episode that is missing, missing. missing.
1: And it's all missing. It's so not even just partly missing. Every episode is missing.
0: We'll give you more context next week as to why it's missing, but just know that if you're trying to find it on iPlayer, or on Brickbox, you're unlikely to find anything other than potentially the telly snaps
1: Yes, the chances are almost definitely zero.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, um, unless you're a private collector and you're about to hand it back over to BBC, <laughs> in which case we salute you.
1: Yeah, that was the thing that came out in The Guardian today, yeah. wasn't it? Mm. Mm. Can we give, should we give a shout out to Reese and Hayden for our, yes. for our stuff? Do you want to do that? As
0: always, we'd love to say thank you to the gorgeous and talented Reese Connolly for their amazing artwork. Um, they've just done an amazing job on all our little bits and pieces. Uh, Gallifrey Cabaret... Um, I think it's sold out, but...
1: I think there might be some tickets on
0: the door. There might be. We've got to say thank you to Hayden oh, for our beautiful music. Thank you, Hayden. Thank we're you, so Hayden. appreciative. Um, and it is very stunning, so go and uh, employ him for some musical requirements. Otherwise, we're going to go have a lie down in a darkened room because I think we're a bit too hysterical and having too much sugar. And we will see you all next week. See you next week. Bye. 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 Bye, Martha. Bye. Bye,
1: Martha. Bye. <laughs>